Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory or on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, head on over to Apple Podcast and leave a review for the show. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. Now, you might think that I'm joking when I say that, but I truly mean it. I got my first three out of five-star review. Every other one has been five out of five stars, but they gave me some good advice. Zulu PC Mama says, keep it up. Three stars. Tyler has a knack for seeking out interesting Peace Corps stories, but some of his lines of questioning feel a bit bland. Sometimes he doesn't respond to things that his interviews, interviewees mention are super poignant. Keep up the empathy and turn up your energy, and you'll have a brilliant podcast. Zulu PC Mama, thank you, and I'll take that to heart and try to improve. As I do this podcast, I want to make sure that I grow as an interviewer. Today on the show, I interview Helen Schaefer and Blake Thomas of Tiny House Coffee Roasters. Helen and Blake started Tiny House Coffee Roasters while serving as Peace Corps volunteers in Nicaragua, and they continue to work hand-in-hand with members of their communities. They collaborate directly with local producers, sharing more work and more benefits. I had a great conversation with them, learning about their service and how they continue to serve with their company, Tiny House Coffee Roasters. I think you guys will enjoy the show. So without further ado, here it is. This is, this is, this is, this is my, my Peace Corps, Peace Corps, my Peace Corps, my Peace Corps story, story, story. My name is Helen Schaefer. And my name is Blake Thomas. This This is is our our Peace Corps Corps story. Helen and Blake, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. Yeah, doing pretty well. Thanks for chatting with us today. Yeah, I'm really excited with it. So do you guys have coffee at the ready? We're showing you right now. Uh, Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 audio, so the visual is lost. So I mean, people <laughs> people are missing are missing out. Yeah, you can vouch for us; it's there. Yeah. Good, good, and people will uh, know in a second why I'm I'm asking you if you guys have your your coffee ready. But just but just starting off, if each of you could uh, talk a little bit about your your Peace Corps service, where you serve, what you did, and then uh, what you're doing now. So sort of take us along the, the timeline of from Peace Corps to present day. Perfect. So I'll start. Um, like I said, my name is Helen Schaefer, and I am from North Carolina. I went to school in University of Miami in Florida. And after that, um, I really wanted to serve abroad. So my senior year of college is, is when I really started um, doing the application process for the Peace Corps, which I don't know if it was the same for you, but it, it took me about a year to, to do the whole interview process, mm-hmm. which I, it's, I've heard it's a lot more streamlined now. Uh, I had a friend who applied and was accepted within months, which is pretty neat. So for me, though, it took a year. Um, And then I was a health volunteer in Nicaragua. So my my background is in exercise physiology, sports medicine. So I was down there. That's really where I started transitioning into sexual health education. So uh, I was in a border town uh, called San Fernando, Nicaragua, and it's a border town in, in northern Nicaragua with Honduras. 
And that's where I did a lot of work on um, HIV prevention, adolescent pregnancy prevention. I did a lot of work with women's groups. And um, so down in the Peace Corps is actually in 2012 um, to 2014. So I met this guy, Blake, and we'll hear about him in a second. And so um, after, after the Peace Corps is when I came to Austin, Texas, where Blake's actually from, and I got a job with Planned Parenthood of Greater Texas. So that's where I, I now do health education with underserved populations here in the Austin, Texas area. So it's pretty exciting. I, I like to joke that my work is Peace Corps 2.0 mm-hmm. because I'm doing, I still make, um, papilagraphos, which means like poster board. So I'll, I'll draw little birth control methods on a, on a poster board and I'll wrap it up and, and take it with me. Like I'm writing on <laughs> in the Peace Corps. Yeah. I, I very much took my, my Peace Corps habits with me here to, to do my um, sexual health education work with Planned Parenthood. So people are probably like, wait a second, Helen, why aren't you using a PowerPoint right now? I'm like, no, this, this poster board's fine. I'm just going to stick it on the wall. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to do icebreakers. It's going to be great. So um, yeah, my Peace Corps experience really shaped the, the work that I do now. And then with Blake's intro, we'll hear more about um, the, the coffee company that we started as well um, due to the Peace Corps. So. Cool. So I jumped into Peace Corps from grad school. I was uh, I was at the University of Tennessee, um, finishing up in 2012. I, I have a master's in agricultural economics. So I also entered Nicaragua in 2012, and you know, just coming out of out of school, I kind of had my eye on on agriculture and you know specifically you know Nicaraguan agriculture. So I got down there as a small business volunteer. Went through training, and I was uh, my site was up in the northern part of the country, about an hour from where Helen was uh, by the Honduran border. And you know, it was—I mean, most of the country is coffee country, but it, I was immersed in coffee country where I was located. So uh, my main task was teaching um, an entrepreneurial course to high school seniors. So we just basically we we taught business fundamentals, anything from accounting to marketing to, you know, scoping out a business plan. Uh, so that was my main job. Um, but I always kind of had my eye towards agriculture and, and based on where I was, you know, it was just coffee everywhere. So I started spending a lot of time, um, with the town's cooperative, um, you know, kind of learning about the supply side of the market and, and how coffee goes from, you know, a seedling to a crop into a mill and then onto a container ship to go, you know, be it the U S or Europe or Japan. Uh, and, and, and I, coffee was just fascinating to me. I mean, it's so complex and there's so many men, women, and children that, that touch it along the way. Uh, it's, it's just, I don't know, it really kind of blew me away. So, you know, I was, in addition to my, you know, day-to-day tasks with, with the class and, and teaching and all that, I was always trying to learn everything I could about, about coffee and, and spend time with the farmers and on the farms. Um, and then, you know, by the time we were finishing up our service and, and kind of, you know, transitioning to coming back home, we had, we had built really strong relationships with, with a handful of farmers um, down there. So the conversations kind of started. I mean, I wouldn't call it anything um, super serious by the time we left Peace Corps, but the conversations had started, you know, Hey, it'd be really neat if we could, 
you know, get back to the States, settle in and, and try and do something with you guys and, and your coffee. Um, so that was there. It was, I, I'd say a little bit on the back burner, but we, we, uh, did a little bit of traveling after Peace Corps and, uh, you know, trek through South America. And then, so we were back in Austin, Texas, which is where we decided on moving back to in 2014. Um, I got a job with, um, uh, just like a chemical company here based out of Austin, just had to find something to, you know, pay the bills. And about, I, I'd say it was probably four or five months into that. I, I, I knew that job was just not going to work out. And I started studying coffee and really doing a little like market research around the Austin area to see if, mm-hmm. you know, the space was there for another, uh, coffee firm. Um, and I, I was running around, uh, another guy who imports Guatemalan coffee and just really studying the scene. And, and I, you know, I don't remember the time and hour or day when I specifically thought, okay, I think I can make a run of this, but, but, you know, sometime in late, uh, 2014, Helen and I decided like, all right, let's give it a go. So we started calling the guys and, uh, you know, asking, Hey, like we don't have a ton of capital right now to start this company, but we, we'd love the idea of working with you guys and getting a coffee company up and running would you be interested in giving us this coffee on consignment? Um, and as we get this thing up and running and sell this, uh, we'll not only pay you for the coffee, but we'll pay you uh, a premium on top of that. So, you know, at the time, the market rate for coffee was something like a dollar and fifteen cents. Uh, the guys are dealing with specialty coffee, so they probably would have gotten more in the range of like a dollar fifty, a dollar sixty per pound of their coffee by, you know extending themselves out and, and, and you know, kind of going through our model, we gave them $3 and 25 cents for every pound that they gave us. Wow. So yeah, quite a, a substantial return, um, for, for them. And, uh, yes. So it was, I'd say, you know, there was a lot of months in between that I'll kind of just, you know, zip over because it was a lot of reading books and, and figuring out how to, how we were going to do the accounting how we were going to register with the secretary of state. I mean, just a lot of nitpicky admin stuff that just has to be done. But, uh, the coffee finally landed in June of 2015 and we had our little roaster that we were roasting in the carport and now our, and at the time our back porch and, uh, we were up and running and, and it's the rest is kind of history. We, we are, you know, we got the company up and running and here we are. Yep. And to finish with that, we just paid our producers for the third year in a row. So we've been working with these guys for, for three years now. And um, it's pretty cool to, to hear about things that they've been able to do. They're, they're really excited about investing more in their farms. Or um, one farmer, Donaldo, who's kind of our, our boots on the ground, his daughter just finished um, – graphic design school. It's, it's cool to hear about the rippling effects of um, how excited these guys are that, that they're able to connect their specialty coffee with folks in the United States and, and impact it makes on them. So Awesome. So now I guess I want to go back to your, your Peace Corps experience. So the, the, everything that led you to this point. And just starting off, I'd like to ask people, you know, one of their favorite Peace Corps memories. So, I'll, Helen, I'll just start off with you. And if you could just tell me one of your favorite Peace Corps memories and why is it something that has stayed with you, you know, three years later? Yeah, so 
I, I said um, in my little pre-questionnaire when I was filling this out, what, what is your one favorite Peace Corps experience? And I cheated and I wrote a couple. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to cite those. I Little moments where um, hopping in the back of a pickup truck to ride down the highway because you were either going north or south. There were no other roads. So if you were waiting for a ride pointing in one direction and there was a truck going that way, you just hopped in the back and you knew you were getting in the right direction. So, so moments like that, hopping in the back of a truck, um, feeling the sun on your face and just sitting there and enjoying the moment and, and thinking, wow, here I am in, in this, in this incredible country that is now my second home and just closing my eyes and, and sitting and, and embracing that moment and feeling happy and peaceful in that. I think my, my Peace Corps service is a lot of little moments like that that um, are, 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 my, are my favorite. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, Blake, how about yourself? My favorite Peace Corps story, its I guess it's a little cheesy because I'm sitting here with Helen, but uh, I got super into running when I was in the Peace Corps. I was, I was a bit of a runner before I, I went down there, but, but nothing like uh, – uh, my time in Nicaragua, it was just, it was this beautiful, serene backdrop that was, you know, mountainous and stunning. And it was just the the perfect place to, you know, really have a love affair with running. So one day, Helen, um, we were just starting up a, a friendship. We, we weren't dating at the time, but uh, we, she came to my site and we, we had planned this uh, long run because she was training for some crazy uh, it was some crazy like adventure run that was taking place in Nicaragua. I think it was something like 15 miles or or thereabout, yeah. and, and we were going to run, you know, into the mountains from from my town about I don't know 10 miles or so. And by the time we were, you know, on our way back and and almost home, we were both just gassed. And uh, she was running down this you know uh, dirt road and so tired she seemed un able to avoid running through this cow patty right in the middle of the, of the, <laughs> the road. And I, I could see it happening. And I was, I just remember her being like, <laughs> Helen, Oh my God, you just ran right through that pile of crap. And she just kind of looked at me, shrugged her shoulders and was I like, don't care. <laughs> I don't care. And I was like, I remember kind of at that moment, like thinking this is pretty cool and she's pretty cool too. And yeah, that's <laughs> my memories. That that's a good memory, and then I guess so. Then Blake, I'm going to ask you because I want to know more. You only wrote me a sentence when I asked you about your least favorite memory, but you 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 wrote being stranded on a coffee farm in guerrilla territory for three days, and that just warrants a whole I, a whole lot of explanation. So right, and that's definitely sensationalized. Okay, so one of the I one of the farmers I met down in Nicaragua. Uh, I don't remember Carlos. how his name was Carlos. He had a he he had a big coffee plantation, uh, not super close to my site. We met him kind of in a roundabout way. We met him through uh, a fellow Peace Corps friend of ours. Um, he helped organize uh, a, a medical brigade, like he helped coordinate in in um, a medical brigade of people visiting in the Hinotega area, where uh, it's notorious for still being kind of unsettled from the civil war era and supposedly that's where the, the gorillas are so that's a little bit of backstory and okay. he is he claims says that he has one of the biggest 
plantations in Nicaragua, but we have yet to verify that. But (laughs) I think, I think everyone is destined to meet a handful of just peculiar characters that really stand out in their service. And, and Carlos was, was definitely one of those characters that was, a yeah, that, uh, was a big part of our service. Um, but he was, he, he had a, an amazing farm, um, and, and, and quite a, uh, big operation there. So I, I asked him one time, uh, I, I wanted to coordinate just going down there for a day and just, uh, even, yeah. And staying, staying a night just to kind of see the farm, see the operation and, um, learn a little bit. And so I was speaking with him and I was like, okay, let's go this day. Cause you're going to be coming the following morning and then I'll ride back into town with you, uh, that morning. So I, I, I went out there and I was, you know, spending time with, uh, you know, in the field, uh, at the mill and, you know, it was getting late in the day and I, I, and cell phone service was extremely limited out there. Uh, and it was getting late in the day. And I, I remember getting on my phone and calling Carlos and being like, Hey, uh, you're not here yet. Are we heading into town tomorrow? And he kind of pushed off and was like, no, I'm not going to make it. I'll be there in the morning. And then the following morning came and called him back and I was like, Hey Carlos, you're still not here. Uh, are we going back into town? Cause, uh, uh, the Peace Corps office is going to get pretty upset if they don't know where I am and, uh, still nothing. And, and that went on the rest of the day, the rest of the following day. And, you know, this was a secluded farm, uh, that, you know, no one, people weren't just going in and out, uh, on a regular basis. Um, and, and Carlos claimed he had heard of uh, some, I don't know, guerrilla activity. I, I don't know what he meant by that uh, in the area. So that was why he didn't want to come out to the farm. And I just remember thinking, well, that's kind of ridiculous because you <laughs> invited me out here and you should probably get me out of here. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of unpleasant to be stuck out there for three days. But I guess a good story in, in retrospect. So, so I just have some more questions. So are you out there alone? <laughs> no, I no. That would be insane. That would be crazy. Uh, no, I, I. It was a farm. It was a you know a bustling farm operation. Um, uh, but so a lot of there. The, the, it was coffee picking season. All the coffee pickers were there, and that was one of the cool things to see. You know, at, uh, you know, eighty men, women, and children out there picking uh, coffee cherries. And uh, no, I mean I was staying like they had a, a house at, at the farm, and I, I had a little. I was, I wasn't, you know, starving to death or anything like that, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, just a little stranded. Okay. Cause first, first when I read it, I was just picturing you like hiding amongst coffee trees for three days, yeah. like trying to stay out of like out of gorillas, just eating raw coffee beans, just like on a <laughs> caffeine high, just freaking out in the jungle. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Good picture. But your, your story is also very, very good. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, it wasn't me, like, in the rain and a bunch of gorillas running around me or anything like that. No, just uh, coming up with an excuse to not come out to the farm. And, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I had I'd had many friends that were those interesting characters that uh, always made your service better and gave you those good stories. And whenever they asked me to do something, I was like, well, why not? Even if this goes horribly wrong, it's going to be a good story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and then Helen, uh, how about yourself? What do you have to uh, counter three days being stranded on a coffee farm? 
my gosh. Uh, refreshing. What did I what did I cite in mine? I'm trying to think of, of You said uh, being uh, woken up in the middle of the night by mice eating your food. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So I lived with a host family. It was Juan, Jasenia, and um, their four kiddos. And so I had a, a room in, in our house. And so it was, I, I had non-dirt floors, which was pretty luxurious. It was, it was cement floors, but the, um, at night I could hear, I'm a pretty light sleeper and I would hear like, like just running around and, and then I would hear like, um, like, like something crunching and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, because I had a little pantry um, up in the corner. And so moments like that were probably my least favorite, just thinking, Oh my gosh, this is, this is my life. And, and, uh, I hear little mice around and now I can't sleep. So, um, not necessarily cause I was scared of the mice. I, I was got pretty good at trapping them by the end of my service. So that, and, um, two and a half years of cold showers. I think mm. that's something that my body never got used to. It was a little shock. Every, every time that freezing cold water hit me. So mm-hmm. I think those are my favorite memories, <laughs> but they keep me real. So, okay. So you definitely don't miss those cold showers, but what, what do you miss about your time in the Peace Corps? Uh, so uh, kind of how we were referencing the, the commonalities of the Peace Corps experience being, um, the, <clears throat> the pace of life. Um, I, d- I, forgot over there living in Nicaragua how extremely fast we are over here all the time and um, so what I miss is walking over to my neighbor's house just to sit with them on the front porch and share a cafecito or a little cafe and and just kind of hanging out and not necessarily talking about a whole bunch of stuff but just enjoying each other's company so moments like that and, and being very pre- present, um, not having a ton of uh, technology and distractors around us. Um, yeah, so the, the simpler way of life. I definitely uh, appreciate that. And um, Blake and I look at each other sometimes as we're uh, knee deep in farmer's markets and businesses that we work with and thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> Do we just need to flee back to Nicaragua? Um, so I think that ultimately life is a balance of the two. Um, but I, yeah, I, reflecting on those, just being mm-hmm. present and, and simpler, living simply. Mm-hmm. And then Blake, how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, I could I could parrot everything Helen just said. She she summed it up pretty nicely. But I I, I do miss that that sense of community that that. And I maybe all across the developing world. I think here in in the U.S., like being being a good neighbor is kind of leaving leaving everyone else in the neighborhood alone. Whereas Nicaragua, being a good neighbor was you know come, going by from time to time to, like Helen said, knock on the door, come in, just sit down, and just be present and and have conversation. And that you know I grew up in the suburbs of Austin, Texas. Like that definitely wasn't normal for me but it I liked it and how it got me out of my shell and um it just felt real and 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 nice um and certainly that 
that pace of life where it's okay to just sit down and breathe and have a nice conversation with someone, even if it's the same conversation you've had 35 times about the weather um, and particular family members of it, it's fine. And uh, I, I miss that. It was, it was, it was really refreshing um, and, and I think needed uh, for me um, when I went into Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that you've been able to maintain that? I mean, Helen, you said, you know, sometimes you sort of look at Blake and wonder like, okay, what are we doing? You know, we've started this business. We're working, you know, not nine to five, but probably, you know, 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. and trying uh-huh. trying to make it all work. But how, how in all that of, you know, the necessities of starting a business and living in the United States, how, how have you guys been able to maintain that essence of Peace Corps? All right. So I was thinking, oh, gosh. All right. My turn. Um, so having to maintain that is I like to I like to journal. So for me, kind of reflecting back on where I was in this time two years ago, three years ago, and, and trying to check myself every once in a while and, and say, okay, you know, is this really important in the long term? Um, and then actually, it's also really helpful for me to remember when I was in Nicaragua, um, as I'm sure you were aware too, you were saying you have, you have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it feels like too much time. <laughs> I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? Um, so I, I remember being ab- abroad, living in, in Nicaragua, thinking, okay, I am ready to get back to the United States. I'm, I'm very passionate about um, uh, working in healthcare and, and continuing uh, a career in healthcare. And I knew that um, I needed to come back to the States to do that. So kind of recognizing that when I'm here and feeling overworked, that I, in Nicaragua, I wanted more work. Mm-hmm. It's always the ground greener on the other side. So having that perspective in mind. And then, um, I think that living abroad also made me realize, um, that material things are not the key to success. Um, we, we met people in Nicaragua who, um, would play with kids would roll an old tire down the street and have a blast. And, and, and it just goes to show me that we don't need to buy, um, the fanciest stuff to, to find happiness. So I, I definitely think that that's influenced my life here is um, being less materialistic and, and not needing so much stuff. So those are things that I've taken with me to kind of um, hold on to um, what I learned in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. So, and my final thing is um, holding on to, to Nicaragua is another part that's important is maintaining the relationships that we met down there um, of people that I met down there. For example, uh, one of my best friends from my hometown in, in Nicaragua, her name's Tanya, and her dad is actually one of the producers that we work with most closely. And so we we text on, on WhatsApp, which is one way that technology is incredible. I'm able to text the Nicaragua that we work with. So keeping those relationships really keeps me grounded to, to that time in my life as well. Mm-hmm. And then, Blake, do you have any advice for you know, return Peace Corps volunteers, um, ways that they can, you know, keep the essence of community alive and not get bogged down by, by American fast paced life. It's, it's hard. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that I've been ultra successful 
with it, you know, personally, I've, I've come back, I've started a small business, which I've learned is a tremendous amount of work. But um, I, I don't know, I, I kind of, I, I, I certainly miss it. I but I also embrace this this new chapter in my life, which is, um, you know, working hard and trying to, you know, garner an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I'll always you know, appreciate and cherish those, those times in Nicaragua. And I think they, you know, they have changed me and, and made me able to, you know, be a little bit more calm and, and, and take a deep breath every so often. And, um, and I, I, I guess my advice would be please reflect on that as kind of this ever changing experience and and there's different chapters and and really you know em, embrace you know your time in the peace corps and 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 always you know remember what it was like when you were there and and try and use it as you know a positive force whenever you enter your next chapter in life you know after peace corps be it working for the government working in the private sector starting a business teaching um try and use those experiences as a peace corps volunteer for in a positive way Mm -hmm. No, de definitely good things. And I, you know, I've not always been the best at, you know, maintaining a balance, but this podcast is actually one of the ways that I'm trying to do that to connect with other volunteers and sort of have a, a constant reminder of the things that I enjoyed in that community to, to try to stay in touch with it and also remind other people as well at the same time. So definitely good points. Yeah. Helen and I are also lucky in that we had the experience together and now, you know, we, we live together and we get the luxury of, you know, being together and just being able to rattle off stories of Nicaragua and, you know, do you remember this time or do you remember that? Yeah. So that we're, we're lucky in that. Mm -hmm. And also with, I mean, what you're doing with tiny house coffee roasters, right. you're, you're staying connected to that community that you developed in Nicaragua. So I'd like for you guys to talk a, l a little bit more about that company because uh, I, I first came to know you guys through Instagram and looking at, at your guys' photos and then just got really interested in in your model of working directly with those farmers. I remember the one photo that you posted um, earlier this month, I think, uh, with Hugo getting his you know check and, mo <laughs> and money and it just it was great to see that you guys you know even though you're here in the US you're doing a lot of the stuff that like like I did in Peace Corps I was actually um a small business volunteer working with the local farmers and trying to oh, get cool. their products um into the larger cities and working with basic business skills with them so it's great to see the stuff that you guys are doing now back in the US so I'd like for you guys to just uh, talk a little bit more and you know shamelessly promote yourself because that you guys are doing some really cool work Oh, yeah. And, and I'll start with that. Did you like, I really uh, liked that picture I put up of Hugo holding $100 bills in his hand. If you zoom in, you can see that it's just a big wad of cash. Oh, oh yeah. No, it was it was impressive. Was like, okay. Yeah. Hugo, Hugo's pulling some money down right now. Hugo's, Hugo's really happy Makes right more now. money than I do. <laughs> yeah. So we, we joke about that. Um, so it's, really exciting working with these producers for the third year in a row. And so that picture actually was taken by my friend Tanya on um, her phone because her dad, Donaldo is, he's kind of um, 
since his daughter has WhatsApp, we're able to communicate with him the most out of all the farmers. So Mm -hmm. um, for the money, we we wired Donaldo this large sum of money. And he then had it at his house, all in $100 bills. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so then the other farmers come to his house and 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 they um, sign a little they sign a piece of paper saying the amount of coffee that they had given the rate and and they sign the piece of paper saying I Hugo received X amount of dollars for my coffee and then that then they hand over this big wad of cash so that's our that's our current payment system in Nicaragua which is uh, Donaldo is our our ATM he's he's been very helpful for distributing the cash but I, I also just think it's funny that the um, I'm sure in that picture Hugo is just elated mm-hmm. but it's um, I don't know if it was the same where you are but the when folks take pictures in Nicaragua they they like to have like a very a very stoic face oh, yes. yep and <laughs> so so Hugo and Donaldo they always look very stern in their photos when they're just these very jolly and jovial folks but the the pictures don't convey that so um I don't know it's I always love seeing photos of them though so um that's all I had my little plug and then tiny house coffee roasters it's the best Blake take it away <laughs> Yeah, so Tiny House Coffee Roasters, uh, we're a micro-roaster here in Austin, and we really focus on uh, responsible uh, green coffee sourcing from small producer farmers. So first and foremost, that starts with our, uh, our relationships with the Nicaraguan coffee farmers that we you know, uh, worked with as Peace Corps volunteers. Um, and as the company has grown and evolved, that has... Um, our scope of, of coffee that we bring in has expanded. So we now bring in coffee from uh, Costa Rica, Colombia, Brazil, um, East Africa. And, you know, we're a small company. We don't have, <clears throat> excuse me, we don't have the resources um, at this time to go directly to all those co- countries and, and foster um, relationships on an individual basis with farmers. We, we were, lucky with the Nicaraguan guys. So um, for now, we are working with um, importers that um, are sourcing coffee in a responsible way and and treating these farmers right. And and we're starting with them. Um, And we're just trying to find new and creative ways to get specialty coffee um, out and about in the market. So, you know, the first way that comes to mind typically is you go to a nice fancy coffee shop and, you know, pull a shot of espresso and, and that's specialty coffee. Well, I think that's going to be a very evolving, a very, it's a very rapidly changing model. I, well, I no, not model. I, I, I think specialty coffee is going to change tremendously over the next five, 10, 20 years. I think it's going to be something that's not just in these very niche coffee shops, um, in and around big cities, I think specialty coffee is going to be much more widespread and it's going to be available in offices, in hotels, in a gas station. So what we try and do as a company is try and be on the forefront of new uh, spaces in the market that are ready for specialty coffee. And, you know, the first thing that we've really gone after is the 
um, office scene here in Austin. Um, and uh, one of the ways I'd say the, the, the primary way that we're able to deliver on that is through cold brew and through cold brew coffee kegs. So that's been a huge part of our business, uh, and something we didn't really anticipate in the beginning, but, um, yeah, so right now we are cold brewing this coffee that we're bringing in. We, excuse me, we are putting it in five gallon kegs and delivering it to a variety of offices around the Austin area. Uh, We're also delivering it to some hotels uh, and even a gas station uh, in kind of a nice up and coming neighborhood that just wanted to do something different. So Mm -hmm. we think that's really cool and we're excited um, uh, to continue learning about the market and seeing what we can do as a a small company to to take advantage of these um, market changes. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely thank you for the the good work that you guys are doing to uh, caffeinate the masses. I uh, no coffee and is one of my drinks of choice. I, without it, I don't think I'd be functioning human being. So, and and you're also doing good, you know, for farmers uh, back where you served and and elsewhere. Uh, just so you guys have managed to, I guess. For a lot of these farmers, you know, cut out the middleman. Uh, what sort of profits do they see uh, with you guys versus maybe a traditional um, sort of coffee? You know, if, if they were selling it to one of the big guys, one of the big names, what's the difference there? Yeah. So when we were when we started working with our farmers, uh, the market rate for coffee at that time was around uh, one dollar one fifteen. And so when we started working with our farmers in Nicaragua, we ended up, um, they would give us the coffee on consignment and then we paid them in installments throughout the year. So it was a little bit more delayed of a payment than if they just went to an exporter in the country and sold it. Mm-hmm. But we ended up paying them three twenty-five a pound. So they were getting you know, uh, almost three times what they were making before. And so... So, and, and that was huge for them. And and for them to have that deferred payment, they they were willing to take risk with us because they trusted us, and and we we knew that we were going to pay them back um, by the end of the year. So um, by having that relationship with us and and trusting us to to give us, they actually sent their coffee to us the first year without even seeing a dime from us. So. These guys packed up thousands of pounds of their their very best specialty coffee, and and sent it to the United States, trusting that we would um, be good stewards of it and and sell it and pay them for it. So that was pretty incredible. And so um, and then I think that the fair trade price has a bottom um, guarantee of about a dollar fifty a pound, just to kind of put things in perspective. So okay, so you but, guys are you know paying more than twice for what fair trade bought the bottom of fair trade is. Yeah, yeah. Wow. For Nicaraguan coffees, yes. Okay, well, you know, thank you guys for for coming on the the show and talking with me. And I always like to end it with you know sharing a a favorite quote or saying uh, from your time uh, in the Peace Corps. So uh, Blake, if you'd like to start off with uh, your favorite quote or saying or just something you'd like to leave us with. Yeah, I guess the one that I heard more than anything else was "Oi, gringuito," which is "Hey, little white guy," <laughs> uh, which I'd hear a lot on those uh, those before mentioned runs. So yeah, I'm sure it wasn't a common sight. So they'd always say "Oi, gringuito." 
who are you running from? <laughs> yeah, that's mine. Uh, and then <clears throat> for mine, I would say I mas tiempo que vida. So there's more time than life, which I think is pretty symbolic of how the the Nicaraguan perspective of I mean, slow down. Like there's enough time. There's more time than life. So that's always a nice reminder to to slow down and appreciate the now. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely thank you for slowing down and taking, you know, an hour out of your day to, to talk with me and then share your story with others on this podcast. So thank you very much. And, you know, I look forward to seeing your company grow. Yeah, thank you. We, it's always incredible to, to reflect on our Peace Corps service. So I'm glad that you're doing this and connecting us with the Peace Corps community. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for having us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, if you want to stay better connected with me and the My Peace Corps Story podcast, head on over to MyPeaceCorpsStory.com. If you want to know my personal Peace Corps story, please check out my new book, Service Disrupted, available on Amazon. Every volunteer has a story. What's yours? <laughs>